Welcome back to Revival on the Air today and to episode two of Pastor Jock and Helen Duncan's story of their life with God. This episode's all about amazing healings, protection and church history. Enjoy their wonderful story. You talk about miracles. I mean, that miracle of uh, my dad got healed of his heart angina. Um, later on, he confessed that he was a, a drinker. Oh, and, um, you, and you hadn't known that? No, he was a cupboard drinker. What do they call it? You know, cupboard drinker. Yeah. And my elder brother said that now and again he'd find a wine bottle hid in the garage. So we've talked about the old shed. Yeah. I never did. And mum used to accuse him when they had a bit of an argument. She said, oh, you've been on the plonk again or wine or whatever she called it. I mean, that's not right. Dad doesn't drink, you know. My mum was right. When he came to the Lord, and that's one of the best things about our fellowship, one of the many wonderful things, we don't drink alcohol. Now, a lot of people can drink it and get away with it, but an alcoholic can't. So to come into a region where nobody drinks alcohol is what they need, and my dad needed that. And uh, eight years later he died in the Lord, giving his testimony, and he had the main artery to his heart burst on the aorta in the middle of his testimony. But the last words that he said before he hit the floor dead was, before I came to the Lord, I used to get my courage out of the bottom of a bottle. And with that, he died. And he'd been in the Lord eight years at that time, eight years at that time. It's an amazing thing. I mean, you know, plenty of people will argue that uh, you know alcohol is okay and, yes. and other things. And it is a it's a real scourge on society today, the problems still that it is, creates. Still a- but the validation is the, the amount of people that we talk to in our fellowship who you know, were either alcoholics or severely dependent on alcohol who are healed instantly when they receive the Holy mm. Spirit. As the house was dead. Yeah, and, and those who have tried for years and years and years to give up and never been successful in their own strength, and as soon as they receive the Holy Spirit, it's taken away from them completely. God, just, God just takes it away. And that's whether that's you know, alcohol or smoking or drugs, you know, et cetera, those things that really do bind people to this world, just get instantly healed from it. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Mm, very good. So you're 17. You meet the lovely Helen a few years later. So by that time, as I think we worked out, I was 19. 19. Mm. In 1961. And unfortunately, this happens in church groups. There was a division in one of our groups in Geelong, the main one that we'd come out of. And uh, there were some people broke away and I think foolishly we look back on it now, then we backed the wrong horse and we went with a breakaway and we were out of fellowship with the main body of our fellowship for two and a half years. In some ways it was a mistake. In other ways it was the best thing we ever did. We learnt what not to do and we learnt such a lot in that two and a half years. But that two and a half years really had a big effect upon Helen and myself because her family in Geelong, still in Geelong, they also broke away with us, and so Helen was out of fellowship with the main body, and I was out of fellowship with the main body, and that sort of possibly had an effect on us coming together because the fellowship that we were part of by that time was very small. In November 1961, there was this split in Geelong, and I was going off to Port Lincoln to help with a little group over there, um, and on the way to the airport, Pastor John drove me to the airport. He told me about this thing that had happened in the Geelong Assembly. Although the oversight had decided that we would go our own way. By the time I arrived in Port Lincoln, that was the status quo. And it really started this two and a half years of difficulty for us. To bring Helen back into the picture, that while I was in, in uh, Port Lincoln, 
as I said, two months before I'd gone, I'd seen her on that holiday. She was still on my mind. As she would, but I was very shy and I think Lorraine said Helen had a boyfriend, which she did at that time in the fellowship. Going back to what happened in Port Lincoln, I slipped up for one day. As a young lady goes to our fellowship now, Raylene, and um, when Raylene was only a kid about my age, a bit younger maybe, had come to the Lord in Sojourn at the same time as Pastor John. But she was living in Cleve, Arno Bay region. We had a little outreach from Port Lincoln. I got involved in that. And on one occasion, driving in a car with her in the back seat, me in the back seat, she had hold, held on to my hand. I, I as I said, I was dead shy. Jeez, no, dragging out everything out the closet today, isn't it? Wow, I never knew that one. Yeah. Wow. And I went out with Raylene Wannan for one day. <laughs> She had actually had a fallout with her boyfriend and the next day she made up with her boyfriend. I didn't understand things like that. So there was one 24-hour time when I wasn't, you might say, faithful to Helen in my mind. And then we came back to Adelaide and jump ahead to what happened there. The end of 1962, after I came back to Adelaide, my brother Ben said he was going on a fishing trip up to the Lake District in uh, in the Snowy Mountains at Lake Eucumbine and Jindamayan and all those big lakes and uh, trout fishing, which we'd never done. We'd done a lot of sea fishing. And that would I like to go with him? I had an old motorbike in those days, the uh, AJS motorbike, and and uh, I don't know if he did put it that way. I think I asked because he said that on the way through they're going to call in on the McConaughey farm where Helen was, being Helen McConaughey. In near, as Helen mentioned in her testimony in Barwon Heads, uh, that little farm they were on. And as I said, I hadn't forgotten about 14 months before when I'd seen Helen and so that was fresh in my mind. And it was really that that I said, can I come? And uh, to go to Lake Jindabyne via... Yeah, I'm just trying to work out the geography of that because no that doesn't make any sense. Yep. That Ben had worked out that I, I don't know how that I was interested in Helen. See, but he also liked shooting rabbits, and there's a lot of rabbits on the McConaughey farm. We shot down there, and um, and I saw Helen again. I must say what happened. My dad had an old Vanguard ute. At this stage, I'm, what, 16? When I was 13, he threw me the keys, and he said, oh, you've been driving the tractor since you were 10. Teach yourself to drive. So I did. It was a bit disastrous, but anyway. So we went out for a little drive this night um, just to drive around the paddocks and see what you could see. You could see a fox. You could see lots of rabbits. It was always interesting. So I had Ben next to me on the bench seat and I had Jock. And uh, I'm driving around, bumpity bump, in the ute and I look at the petrol gauge and it's on empty. And any lady who's listening will say this is a really sensible question. I said, how long does the car go for when the gauge is on empty? And he says, if you don't change down, we won't be going anywhere. So it had three gears, column, the old column. She's in top gear and we're doing about 10 miles an hour. So the car is going like this, you see. So my smart attic answer was, as Helen said, if you don't change down, we won't be going anywhere. When we got back to the tent, we were staying in the tent that I was Ben. Ben said, are you interested in this girl or, or not? not. <laughs> are you trying to put her off or something? <laughs> we showed up to Jindamon. We caught a trout, which was very exciting. And then we came back through Geelong again. And then by the time we got back to Adelaide, I decided 
I'd start writing to Helen. Mm. It's the only – I hid behind letter. I wouldn't do it ever verbally or one-on-one. And so I started writing. And I didn't even know how to spell Helen. So there was no, no internet in those days. So how do you find out how to spell Helen without letting others know who would know immediately what you are doing? So I looked up in Encyclopedia and on Helen of Troy. I knew that there was such a person as Helen of Troy and it was spelt with one L. So I wrote to Dear Helen with one L and her letter came back with two L's, which is the way she spells her name. So um, we started communicating to each other almost week, maybe one or two a week almost by letter. I know how that works. My wife and I did that for there many, many go. months. It's a great record. We've Have got, you still got them? Oh, we've, we've still got, got all, all the letters. letters. Yeah, we've got, yes. a, we've got ours as well. Yeah. yeah. So the good thing with that recently when I'm doing the history of our fellowship, I've got all 1963. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, things we never remembered. Yeah, yeah, wow. Things she wrote and things I wrote. Yeah, yes. wow, that's amazing. And so obviously you eventually got married at some point. Yeah, what happened then is Helen, um, I mean, I tried to push, I was, I was, I was pushing it through pretty quick. Verbally, and I started with dear, dear Helen, then dearest Helen, and then my dearest Helen. And Helen wrote back and said, "Can we just stay friends?" <laughs> now, the long and short of all this is to cover things quickly. Eventually, I moved to Adelaide in, um, and was it September '63? Exactly right. Yeah, and about six months later, Jock proposed to me. So. I was only 17. See, this is very young. Mm. So, uh, was, it, was that uncommon back then, though? Was that sort of relatively not uncommon? It wasn't no, so it wasn't uncommon, uncommon back uncommon. then. No. So, because Dad and Mum and Dad were in Bendigo at a place called Morong. So, Jock wrote a seven page letter to my father on all the good reasons why we ought to get married. Seven pages worth? Well, what was <laughs> he had a lot of objections? He'd always said that none of his daughters would get married under 21. Both Janet and Lorraine were over 21. So I was fighting against it, and she's only 17. So the letter comes back from my father. Well, before, before we get to the letter coming back, what I had to knock on the head that she just started studying to be a nurse. At the Lyme McEwen Hospital. And I rubbish being a nurse. I shouldn't have, but it was like, oh, a nurse is hopeless. It's all shift work. She's going to miss meetings and went through all that. And then also that I didn't have a job, which I didn't. I was on full time for the fellowship on seven pounds a week when most people got 20 pounds a week. I could just survive. But as Max said, you can't support a wife on seven. So I'd gone and got a job at General Motors Holdings at Elizabeth on 19 pounds a week. So I said, well, I went through all these things. I don't know how it used up seven pages, but convincing him that why shouldn't we get married? Now you can go on. So my father returns his letter. And he says, hello, Jock, you're a long-winded blighter, but I got the point. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> oh, and then he said, I'll, I'll reconsider it at Easter. <laughs> no, it's when she turns 18. Well, we got married two weeks after she turned 18. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And it was a good thing that he gave in because even on our honeymoon, or on our wedding, first of all, and then on our honeymoon, which we went and stayed with him for a while in Morong, he was dying of lung cancer. He'd been a heavy smoker mm. all his life. Mm. And I only had a father-in-law for about two months. Mm. And he died, which was sad. Mm. Wow. Mm. There you go. And so what year was that? 1964. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um And Helen, you were saying just before that your father was the last one to respond to the gospel after obviously your mother and you three girls. Yes, that's correct. Dad was a very sceptic Scot. 
and he decided he would just stand back and watch because this would definitely be a a seven-day wonder. We'd all forget about it. We would get over it. But anyway, he was out in the bull paddock one day and my father was uh, not terribly tall and rather stout and the bull charged him. This bull who was always very placid and Dad knew there was no way he was going to make the fence. He wasn't going to get those little legs to run that fast Not and that get up fast, the fence, yeah. no. <laughs> so in desperation, he just called out, Jesus, and the bull stopped. And and his feet went out from underneath of, of him. He went down, woof, onto the ground. He got up and uh, as my father then came into the house and, and he told the story what had happened to my mum. He said, because he called mum Mickey, that was her nickname. He said, Mickey, you know this God stuff works. And then wow. he went through the story of what had happened and he said, and the bull hit the ground and then he got up and he shook his head and he had a very silly look on his face and he just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bull, not him. That was yes, the yeah, bull. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and not very long after that, Dad got filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He yeah. got baptised. And then within a couple of months, he shot across to South Australia to tell all the rallies. Mum's family came from Sejuna. He had to tell them what had happened to him. And they saw a dramatic change in him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, Pastor Jock, you've written a letter to the father-in-law. He's finally given you his blessing. You guys- he sort of didn't fully give it. As I said, he said, I'll reconsider it when... Helen turns 18, but we'd obviously, obviously got him to reconsider it well before that because we actually, Helen got married only two weeks after she got turned 18. So, And you, you, you had a few kids with some pretty amazing miracles with we the did. kids, yeah? We've got three girls, which we are thrilled about. And I think of, of our oldest, one Ruth. Now, when she was three, she got asthma. And I know this just really took us by surprise because in the Lord... We have such a good life and you don't expect something like that um, because Jock had had asthma as, as a child. He had actually grown out of it. But in my family, Dad had had it, was healed when he came to the Lord. Lorraine had had it and the doctors had said she would never live to be an adult. She was healed mm. when she came to the Lord also. And what was asthma treatment like back then compared to today? Because I know a lot of people obviously live with asthma today. Well, all I remember was the puffer. And, of course, I was healthy, mm. so I never suffered anything like that. But I know that Lorraine spent you such know, a long modern, time in bed. The modern little one you push, yeah. well before that, they had a Bakelite, like a, a pilot. Like a pilot's mask. Like then. a pilot's yeah, mask. Yeah, okay, all over them. A, all pure rubber and a, and a squeezer. When you squeeze that way, the air went that way. As you let it go, it sucked air in. Yeah. A little ball bearing stopped it. And you filled it up out of a little bottle into into that. And and you put that on, it was just, I remember, a glorious feeling of relief yeah, right. the moment you had some and you could start breathing normally. So it's not something you could easily carry around in your pocket. And no, it's quite really. a cumbersome yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing like that at all. Yeah, I can imagine. No quick pills or anything in those no. days. I don't think there was anything else other than that. Mm. And this was only a relief. It mm. wasn't a cure. I don't yeah. know if even now they've got a cure, yeah. but there was no, no medical thing beyond that. Mm. Just so then with our family history. Yeah of asthma in the family. When Ruth got asthma at three years old, and it took us by surprise, we weren't expecting anything. Mm. We were in the lawn and you don't expect that, something to go wrong. And um, I remember taking her to the doctor and the doctor said, well, well, you should have. She should actually have picked her parents. 
you know, <laughs> from both sides of the family. But anyway, she had it then for the next um, seven years, wasn't it? And we would find any time she got excited about something, for example, Christmas, uh, she would get an asthma attack. Yeah, right. And this, this went on for a number of years. And then when she was 11, she received the Holy Spirit. And do you know what? She never had another asthma attack ever after. It was yeah, right. gone from then and forever. Yeah, and wow. we prayed about it lots of times. Yeah. She had. Yeah. Yes. None of that had ever worked. And mm. just You can't always work out exactly what the Holy Spirit's going to do for each person. Mm. But in her case, as an 11-year-old, Instantly set free forever from asthma yes. to this day. Mm. Yes. In the 50s now. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes. Another one, of course, was our second daughter, Leonie. Now, in those days, when you had a baby, you stayed in hospital for a long time. And So what's a, what was a long time? Ten days. <laughs> that is a long time yeah. compared so, to today. They, they beat you out pretty quick no, these no, days, don't they? A couple of days, yeah. yeah. And I, having been in hospital for ten days with the first baby, when I had Leonie only 21 months later... I wasn't going to be locked in for 10 days. So on the fourth day, I came home. But prior to coming home, the the doctor and nurse or whoever they were, I can't remember, remember now, said to me, now, you've got to come back when she's, wasn't it 16? Six weeks. It was supposed to be six weeks. Uh-huh. And they said, no, you've got to come back in 16 days. Uh-huh. And I remember saying to Jock, going home in the car, a little Morris Minor, you walked out of the hospital, the nurse came with you and they handed the baby to you and you nursed it in the front seat, <laughs> going home, no seatbelts no in seat those belt. days. No, no cot, no nothing. And Very I, dangerous. I turn around, I say to Chuck, now they've said I've got to come back in 16 days. That's not right. It's supposed to be six weeks. So anyway, we had some prayer And, about and they hadn't given you any reason why. No reason. Yeah, okay. They didn't tell you anything in those days. We're talking 1967. This is the Queen Victoria Hospital in Adelaide. So we get home. We take Leonie to her first meeting. And my sister Lorraine, after the meeting and having seen Leonie, goes home and cries. And so does Judy Patterson's mum. What was her name? Grace Banbury. Grace Banbury. They went home and cried. And they, and they didn't tell you Just this? Just from seeing her, they never said anything. Okay. We thought she was perfect. She was the most wonderful baby. She never cried. You had to wake her up in the morning for a feed by lying her down and pumping her legs. She was just a happy little thing and we didn't suspect there was anything. So I went back then, um, I did the six... Well, what those two ladies saw yes. was that she had Asiatic eyes, she had a very short neck, she had a protruding tongue, all the signs of Down syndrome. That's what they thought she had. That's what they thought she had. So as time went by, uh, it wasn't very long before number three baby was on the way. So when I went in... Um, so this I, is 16 days later? This is, no, this is now... I was three months... I would have been three months preg- pregnant with Vicky. So it's... I can't even think how many months Two later. years. Two, nearly two years later. Anyway, something like that. It's not that long because they're all 21 months apart. Okay, so this is your third daughter now. This, our third daughter. Gotcha. Yes. Right. And uh, being pregnant with her, I go into the clinic and I saw uh, three different sisters and each one said the same thing. The first one said to me, where's your other child? And I said, oh, she's home with my mum. Is she all right? Yes, she's perfectly all right. Are you sure she's all right? I said, yes, she's just a normal, healthy child. And she was. So I saw the next sister feeding or blood pressure, whatever it was, and the next one... And like parrots, they, they repeated the same little que- series of questions. Mm. They'd obviously read my report. 
Which you hadn't seen at this point. So you I hadn't didn't, seen this. Didn't I didn't know any of this. Yeah. No. So then they didn't tell you anything in those days. So then I saw the doctor the next week and, and I said to him, what did you think was wrong with my child? And then he got out a report and I saw it and it was written by Mr Lovell, who was the chief gynecologist, gynecologist that's right, in uh, South Australia at that time. And, uh, and it said all these things that were wrong with her, her eyes, her uh, throat. Her reflexes. Her, oh, her reflexes didn't work at all. And this was the, the 16 days old and the six weeks old. Reports. Reports. Right, yes. okay, yeah. And, and at this stage you still hadn't, no, there was no had, connection. No, she was a suspect, beautiful, yeah. happy yeah. baby who slept and never cried. Yeah, it was lovely. And then I said, well, what was it? What did you think was wrong? And and he said on this letter that she had only, she had all the symptoms of Down syndrome and then in red at the bottom, only time will tell if this child will be normal. And mm. so at certainly at six weeks she was not right. So the long and the short of it was that somewhere, somehow, God changed whatever needed to be changed mm. And and that child became normal and is normal and very, very, a very successful businesswoman mm. today. Mm. So that was a miracle. And then when she was about 11 or 12 months old, I uh, went to work at the Edinburgh Airfield Post Office and mum minded the two children. Uh, Leonie was, as I said, only 11 months old or something and, and Ruth was little. And one day, Mum put, fed Leonie with a bottle and she put it to bed on the floor on a mattress, went down to the other end of, of the house and she suddenly felt, I've got to go and look at that child. And when she went back, Leonie had stopped breathing. breathing. And my mother picked her up. And Mum is by this time a widow in her mid-50s. It must have been a very frightening mm. thing for her. She picked Leonie up. And she tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. She banged her on the back. And then in desperation, she just called out Jesus at the top of her lungs. And Leonie breathed. Mm. And I'll tell you, oh, oh, don't cry, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. You can. (laughs) And I came home and I collected her that night. And I tell you, I gave notice the next day. I said to Jock, We'll survive somehow, but there's no way I'm putting anybody through the responsibility of minding my kids. Mm. Uh, and, you know, so that was um, an amazing thing for us. She was a really good kid and, she, and it was just lovely being And then parents. if I might tell the other one, a yes. few months later yeah. when she was a little bit older, yeah. she was sitting in our home on the floor playing with her elder sister Ruth and she put something in her mouth, a little rubber thing in her mouth, just like kids do. And mm. Ruth reached over and pulled it out of her mouth. And sort of the shock of, like kids do, a bit of an argument. She opened her mouth to yell and never yelled and just rolled over backwards and eyes rolled back in her head. And again, she stopped breathing. And I'd actually advertised the sale of a tent I had. She was 18 with, months old at this time. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm somebody knocking on the front door. And we're down praying with this child, again calling on the name of the Lord, and again finally she did breathe. Both times she would have been 
maybe put down a cot death or yeah. first time particularly. Yes. Yeah. And she never, ever had that ever again. Yeah, right. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so. Wow, praise the Lord. So, yeah. as I said to Helen, that particular day, I think it was the first time I ever said it, you've either got the Lord or you haven't got the Lord. I mean, at that time, there's no time to find the Lord. You've either got him or he's got you, and that's it. And we just had the Lord, and the Lord came in and answered. Mm. Yes. Leonie, as Helen said now, is very successful. She runs a daycare centre with about 80 kids and 20 staff. And so from having Down syndrome and nearly dying a couple of times, praise the Lord. Yeah. And then the next one was Vicky, our youngest. And she was about four, and she started um, severely bleeding from the kidneys. For no reason. And so how did you know that? Every time she went to the toilet, yeah, right. she wow. bled a lot. Yeah. So once again, that's one of the things that's not supposed to happen. When you're walking with the Lord, praying every day, you don't expect it. And something comes from left field. Mm. And this one, so we started praying about it, of course, and and we prayed a lot. A week or so went by and there was no improvement. I remember it was a Sunday morning and, of course, the doctor's surgeries were not open in those days. And we were living up at Elizabeth, Smithfield Plains. And I said to Jock, I'm taking her down to the hospital. We can't let this go on. The Lord hasn't healed her. We must check this out. So I took her down into the emergency. And, of course, they admitted her straight into hospital. Mm. And uh, I remember I came home and Jock said, what's happened? I said, they admitted her. And it, was, it wasn't what we were gonna, expecting was going to happen at all. So anyway, they uh, they obviously took it very seriously, and it was serious. They started doing all sorts of tests and treatments, and on the Monday, they hadn't worked out what it was. On Tuesday, no improvement, no no good reaction from any treatment. And was it the Tuesday night or the Wednesday? I can't remember. I think it was Wednesday. We suddenly said, right, we're going to start fasting. And I remember that night about 10 o'clock at no, night. No, you're right. I... It was the Tuesday we started fasting. Yep. It was Wednesday night that we got the victory. Wednesday night, nothing had changed, but we had the peace of God. Mm. And it hit us about 10 o'clock at night. For both, both of you? Both, both of, of us, us at same once. Same time. Yeah, right. Well, it sort of lifted off us and a nice sort of feeling of peace came over. And yet nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. But it had. So you hadn't no. had any news, nothing. No, nothing no good yeah. news. Yeah. And no. nothing changed for two days. Yeah. Except the Saturday morning, which was a day of prayer and fasting. Hmm. We went to the hospital. We went into the hospital and I said to the sister in charge, I can still remember going to the to the, uh, the sister there, and I said, can you tell me, please, what was wrong with our child? Because they had been hinging at all sorts of hmm. horrible things. Yeah, I bet. And she said, she brushed me off. She said, uh, well, we don't know. But she's better now. Will you take her home? Yeah, right. Wow. So we took her home and we took her straight to the prayer and fast. That's where we were going. And we just said, oh, we've just got to go and give thanks. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Do you know she's never had any kidney problems yeah. ever since? Yeah. Yeah. That's Amazing. a long time ago now. <laughs> so we've probably got a bit more to talk about, which we're not going to get through today. Okay. Because we've already been going for a couple of hours. We've <laughs> got lots more. We have, you, you have got lots more to talk about. Um, and there's lots of, you've got lots of stories about travels around the world, you know, serving the Lord, lots of other miracles. We'd love to hear them. We'll save it for another episode. All right. We look forward to I'm it. I'm looking forward we to look it as well. Awesome. Thank you Thank very you. much. Amen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so we're two episodes down with two more to go. And I reckon they get better the more we talk. Subscribe for free on your Apple, Google, Spotify or favourite podcast app so you don't miss out. 
If you want to find out how God can change your life, then send us an email, podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com or head over to the website and find out what the Bible says, www.therevivalfellowship.com. Until our next episode, God bless. Thank you.